Hello everyone, welcome to Creation.Live. I'm Trey. In each episode of this show, ICR scientists gather with subject matter experts, apologists, and other special guests to discuss pressing issues, whether that be ICR's current research, something new that has come to light in the scientific community, or something else that impacts how science ultimately points to our Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope that these conversations are enlightening and encouraging in an increasingly chaotic world. I have with me uh, today my co-host, not Ivana. I have Michael with me today. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Uh, and of course, I'm Trey. And then we have Carl Kirby, yes, president sir. of Reasons for Hope. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. My privilege. And on the science side of things, we of course have Dr. Frank Sherwin, uh, zoologist, zoologist, yes, correct, that's it. not <laughs> zoologist. <laughs> Zoology is the study of zoos. Okay, <laughs> sounds exciting. All right, all right. Well, thank, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, it's great, uh, and of course, Carl, thank you so much for being here. Um, so, I'll get to the point. Uh, you're the founder and president of Reasons for Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what that's about. What uh, What is the ministry? What led you in that direction? Uh, what What purpose does it serve there for you? Wow, what a great question. I am trying to get a generation that doesn't believe the Bible anymore to show them that they can trust the Word of God from the first verse all the way to the end. I'm essentially a product of ICR and the work that you guys have done. I go back to where, you know, reading Dr. Henry Morris's uh, The Genesis Record. I read The Genesis Flood as well, but The Genesis Record was one that rocked my world Mm -hmm. because it made the Bible real. And uh, then uh, all the men of science, men of God, you know, many infallible proofs, you name it, I read it. And I traveled with the with the Back to Genesis conferences for a number of years as a volunteer, just voracious and wanted to see people get excited. Well, now the Lord has put on my heart, really 12 years ago, was to go after younger generation. So made the decision to go after younger generation. But taking this message of biblical authority, which ICR has been promoting all these years, taking that and, and, and trying to wrap it up in a, um, in a way that a generation that is raised on Finding Nemo, Lilo and Stitch, Incredibles, and Bob the Builder will pay attention to it because they just think different. Hey, The Incredibles is a great movie, I have to admit. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorites. So, uh, well, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Okay, so uh, you had shared with me a little bit about a, a, a story about uh, some pilots. Can you yeah. maybe share share some of that story? Yeah, that's how, I, I mean, I, I, got, I was born May 15, 1961. I was born again May 15, 1987. And uh, it was at the, in Utah. I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. But it was almost about a year and a half later that I'm flying in the cockpit because I was an air traffic controller. And pre-9-11, you could fly in the cockpit for training purposes. And uh, I'm flying in the cockpit, and I witnessed to the pilot, the co-pilot. And they both turned out to be Christians, which was kind of crazy to me. And then we're just talking, and all of a sudden, they talked about creation and evolution. And I was like, my Sunday school teacher is a brand-new Christian, at the age of 26 was you take evolution, you put it in the Bible, God used it, God directed it, and notice the sequence, there's no contradictions. So that was my contribution to the conversation. You know, boom, threw it out there. Co-pilot, man, he's twitching and jittering. I was like, what is wrong with this guy, right? And he looks over at the pilot. Then he looks around me and says, Carl, I'm sorry, but that's incorrect. I'm he was afraid, afraid of a fist fight in the cockpit. Oh, no, man, he's swinging, I'm running. I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing down in the cockpit. But I'm like... Really? Why is that? And he did what I tell people I'm eternally thankful for. He took the word of God out, 
how novel. We're Christians and we use the Bible, right? He took it out, he opened it to Genesis, and he went through the sequence. Here's the sequence in creation, here's the sequence in the evolutionary model, and he showed me like seven contradictions. And I was mind blown, literally. Mm -hmm. I said, where did you learn to think like that? He introduced me to ICR, who, where you, when you guys were in San Diego at the time, when I got back to Salt Lake, I ordered a book called The Lie, Evolution, and uh, when I got that, I read it, and it was like, whoa, this never heard this stuff. This means the Bible is real history. And then I got a hold of the Genesis uh, record, and that one was like the one that solidified for me that the Word of God was the Word of God. It wasn't good spiritual and moral. It was real history, historical accounts. And I just started working as a volunteer for the Back to Genesis conferences at the time, reading everything because I was voracious. I'm answering questions for the people coming up, looking at the resources, and and God just kept opening doors for me. But it was that foundation that I got from Dr. Henry Morse's uh, Don Chittick. Don Chittick was one of my favorite guys. Loved traveling with him. Uh, Dwayne Gish, I mean, had a lot of really good times. With he, was, he was a unique guy. And uh, just learning from those guys was a blessing to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, long before I was with yes, ICR. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, it's like, I, I know some of those long names. before you were born, too, <laughs> Hey, we're not going to say anything about that here. But I was like, oh, man, I know some of those names. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, well, that's that's awesome. And it's great to see, like, you are super passionate about it. And I, 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 I can see it in you. Um, so apologetics, like this is, it's all about apologetics. It's about defending the faith. So when you were developing reasons for hope, uh, like what in particular led you in that direction as opposed to where you had been before? Like where, where did, why did your faith lead you in that direction? Younger generation. Okay. We're losing 50 to 88% of them. And Satan's not playing fair. And I tell folks they're not walking away from what they know. They're walking away from something that they don't know towards something that they know even less about. And so I felt like we have to take this biblical authority message yeah. Take it in a manner, though, that, because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a PhD guy, um, and I mean no disrespect to the PhD, we need that research, it's vitally important. What ICR does is vitally important, but we need to take that and be able to communicate that to a generation that doesn't even know that they need it. Mm. And so uh, apologetics to me is very simply just being able to give an answer, which means logical, rational explanation about why you believe what you say you believe, for the reason for the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. And so I am essentially taking, I'm walking on the shoulders of the Henry Morris's, the Don Chittick's, Frank. I mean, I've read a number of uh, uh, Dr. Frank stuff of uh, ICR's materials. I've been using them for years. David Minton. I love David Minton. I mean, he's, I, I'm just walking on the shoulders of these guys, trying to be obedient to the Lord, to his word, and point people to that creator who loves them enough to die for him, even when they're spitting on him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned research and the importance of that, too, yes. with all that we see today, historical, archaeological, scientific. With the things we're uncovering, why do you think people are shying away from the truth? Well, they're spending 900 hours a year in a school system for the most part. 80 to 85 percent of Christian homes send their children to the government schools, secular schools, that train them and teach them to think like the world. That's reinforced with 1,064 hours of TV, which is definitely teaching them to think like the world. Reinforced with 936 hours a year video games, which is giving them uh, historic uh, history that undermines the Word of God, they don't even know there's another way many times. And so when we go out and we start talking about the Bible and biblical authority and its historical, this is a foreign language to this generation because they even raised in the church, young folks raised in the church, they've never heard that. I had never heard that, and it's gotten even worse. So I, I believe, again, it's a lack of knowledge that's killing us. And so how do we take 
here's what the world says. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what we actually see. That's why I love taking people to zoos, museums, aquariums, because our tax dollars are paying for those things, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So we go in. This is their story. This is what the Word of God says. This is what we actually see. Now make an informed decision. And when you do that, they get it. Because I'm not telling them what to think. I want to challenge them to think. And that's what I think even ICR does with, here's the information. There's another way. Make a decision. So, Carl, in other words, what you're doing is telling, telling the next generation uh, not only what they believe, but why do you believe yes. what you believe and have that apologetic, yeah. have that desire to share with others the, the reason that lies with, within you. Yeah, yeah, because if you can't give an answer, number one, as a Christian, you're not being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And number two, you're definitely being ineffective in a culture that is increasingly, you know this, as yeah. much travel as you do. Yeah. They are increasingly skeptical. Yeah. So if you're going to overcome that, it's not going to happen with, whoa, Jesus loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, he loves us. He loves us so much he died for us. I mean, while we were rejecting him. But that same God who loved us enough to die for us also commanded us to study to show ourselves approved, to give an answer. And so if we aren't willing to do that, mm -hmm. I mean, the lost is looking at us and they're saying, yeah, they're Christians and they're not even consistent. It's like that uh, James, you know, I use that James verse, you know, a double-minded man and is unstable in all of his ways. And, and many times Christians seem to be unstable because we'll say Jesus with our lips, but with our lives, we don't live it because we don't trust the book. Frank, why do you think that is? Like, what, what's, what's going on here with this disconnect, uh, particularly with science and scripture, but like in every aspect? Why? There is a significant disconnect in society today when it comes to the, the Christian element and the secular world. Uh, I can only give you my testimony in the Navy a long time ago, and I was Navy, Carl was Air Force. Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the Navy, I so, okay. had the, it was exposed to the Navigator Ministry, and the Navigator is just outstanding, and this is back in 19... <laughs> But uh, uh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the navigators were outstanding in helping me to understand that I was lost and I needed a savior. And so I became, as the Bible says, born again through the testimony of one of the uh, shipmates that I was with on an aircraft carrier. But that's where it stopped. And, and I'm not denigrating anybody in that, but I, I wasn't told anything about origins. And so I went through the next year as a brand new Christian, believing that God created evolution. And there was nobody there to tell me otherwise. And of course, being on an aircraft carrier with the other sailors is not the best place to grow spiritually. Right. But it wasn't until I read a little uh, orange and white uh, booklet called Have You Been Brainwashed by Dwayne Gish. And at that point, my eyes were open. It was just a little illustrated yeah, booklet, yeah. but that's what I needed as a brand new Christian. Then that's how I found out about ICR, and my testimony is very much like Carl's. Wasn't that like a chick track? Yeah, it's kind of like a chick, a chick track. track. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading that I, one as well. A tiny <laughs> little thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. but I, I stood there in the sweaty jet engine shop. I was an E5. I was working on these turbofan engines, and somebody with a capital S left that track yep. right there yep. on the jet engine test stand. And I read that through several times, and I was both uh, fascinated and angry. Fascinated that there was a case for creation, angry that for the last year nobody told me nobody about said this. Anything, yep. I was the same way, man, because I got saved May 15, 1987, mm -hmm. and it was about a year and a half. I was passionate. I was excited, right? But I didn't have, I couldn't give an answer why. Yeah. And then when I got exposed to the teaching of biblical authority and how to apply it, that's when it just blew up. That's when it was like my faith just exploded because now 
this is really stuff. This is real, man. And that's that's when it exploded for me. Yeah. You mentioned that's a form of media right there. The yeah. Chick Tracker, this, you know, pamphlet. Old things, school. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed. Those papers still around. But um, what's what have y'all seen? Both of you can answer this. What have y'all seen works best for the generation you're trying to reach now? What is Reasons for Hope doing? Well, video is a biggie. And I see y'all doing as well with That's a Fact. I love those. Those short, take a boom, bang, bringing this information in with movement, uh, images, because you got a very visual generation quite frankly we try to do that as well we use uh, debunked videos animated fast-paced you know a little faster than uh, uh, that's a fact but that's the body of christ you know we each try to do what the lord has called us to do and my approach is a little bit more sarcasm you know snarky a little bit just jab i call it like a boxing match you know stick and move stick and move you hit him and then 10 seconds later like ooh, he just hit me right <laughs> but you've already moved on down the road and that's kind of what uh debunked is and uh but visual, I mean, you really, you need to bring your A game to go after younger generation because I tell folks this, they don't believe me, but young people today have a 2.2 second attention span. Oh, that's the truth. That's a scientific research, 2.2 second attention span, which, by the way, is less supposedly than a goldfish. Now, y'all need to do this wow. research here. Yes. Supposedly a goldfish has a three second attention span. And I'm like, what scientist did that? <laughs> Stop watching. <laughs> you know, it's a goldfish. What's he watching? Bubbles? I mean, come on. But... That we've trained this generation to be like that. So if you think we can walk in, today we're going, they're done. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be with you. You got to, something's got to just, there's movement and visuals and that sort of a thing. And that's not everybody, but that's a good segment of the culture. Yeah, which is which is why, you know, certain platforms will say are taking off at, at, at this time, you know, with TikTok and, you know, like that shorter attention span, just, just very quick. And, and, and it's, it's easy to consume, you know, a hundred percent. Well, I have a question and, and maybe, maybe this is a little unfair, but where did we fail? Like where, where did the church fail this younger generation as far as like, keeping their attention like where did they feel fail in the discipleship here because because i see it all the time too but you want to take that one first no you go ahead you're, you're on the roll <laughs> all right because i'm gonna get in trouble okay hey. i don't think the church failed you you be frank i don't think the church failed because it's not the church's job to evangelize and to uh disciple our kids parents failed now where the church dropped the ball was not to train the parents to be able to give an answer how to apply their faith in the real world. But to me, the younger generation is suffering because parents have abdicated their responsibility to train and teach their children how to live a biblical life and to apply their life, uh, apply what they're learning in this world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so I think where this all started happening goes way back because even my generation, I just remember being raised in a church where it was just, it was rules and rituals. Stand up, sit down, kneel. and. And there were no apologies. I'd never heard the word apologetics no, no. until I was probably 27, 28. Apollo what? You know, I had no clue what that was. And everybody makes the joke. It means we're apologizing for, you know, believing in the Bible. Totally contrary to that. But I had never even heard the term. So I think many churches failed because they didn't embrace the importance of being able to train a generation to be able to put application and not just, oh, I'm really getting in trouble. Memorization. Memorization is important, but memorization without application is not going to be as effective as it should be. Yeah. 
That's true. You know, parents certainly have failed, and and they've kind of shuttled their children to uh, you know either daycare or uh, a youth pastor, you know, individuals who don't really have the First Peter chapter three uh, drive and ambition to help the children to understand why they believe what they believe when it comes to this vitally important issue of not only where they came from, but where they're going. And it's a late Henry Morris, a founder of ICR, that said where you came from is at least as important as to where you're going. And you know, that, that my experience growing up, I had wonderful, you know, I was raised in the church, had, had wonderful people surrounding me in the church, but it's true. I'd like youth group growing up. It was about pizza parties and playing Halo, right? Like that's, that's what it was. The teaching was very slim. So, yeah. Well, because those guys don't know how to teach either. I mean, yeah. for the most part, you go into most colleges, very few are going to have an apologetics program. Very few have I seen that have an apologetics program. They're, they're not still understanding how important it is because I'm telling you, if you spend any time with the younger generation and just start engaging them in conversation, you're going to find out very quickly that they're hungry. You know, adults tell me, oh, kids don't care. No, 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 no. Not my experience at all. They care, but they don't want just superficial, fluffy stuff. They want somebody that genuinely believes what they're saying to come out and deliver it. And that is, a, it's exciting. You know, yeah. to me, we can be passionate about our faith because that it's like, it's almost like garlic. You guys like garlic? I love it. Yes. I love garlic. <laughs> yeah. But let me put it like this. You don't like it that I like garlic. Because when I eat garlic... You would not be sitting here with me today, right? <laughs> it just oozes out of your body. And I think that's how the Holy Spirit's got to become in us. We yeah. can't turn it off and on. We, we've got to be so passionate about the Lord and His Word that it just it oozes out, man. You yeah. can't spend any time with this guy and not know there's something different. And you can't have that if you can't really trust the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Well, that you brought up the point of these pastors, youth pastors, going to schools that might not have a program in apologetics, but would you say an apologetics degree is necessary for this, or what are the alternatives? I hope not, because I don't have a degree. I mean, <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a biblical studies degree and two honorary doctors because people felt bad, knew I'd never get a real one, you know? <laughs> but I think what you need is just a passion and a desire to grow. Now that, please don't let me even give the impression that you shouldn't go get higher education. I wish that I had gone and done that. I did not. That was not my path. The Lord had me down another path, right? But I, 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 I believe very strongly that our children should go and get the strongest education that they can because it's vitally important. But is it required for us to get out and to do this? Well, no. I think every person, regardless of education level, is called to give an answer for the reason for the hope yeah. that lies within them. Now, can I do what ICR does when it comes to the, the technical, Dr. Leary, with the explanation of the flood geology and all that? No, but, but do you know what I can do? There's an answer. Take a look at this guy, right? I can point <laughs> them to people. And that's the beauty of what ICR is doing is that you've got legit PhDs doing legit scientific research that a guy like me can say, you know what, I understand this much of a topic that is this deep, but now let me introduce you to somebody that can really take it and, and go at a level that I can't do it. Do you do you think that like um, that the the younger generation? We'll we'll just say the younger generation. Do you think that they like want the specifics? Do they want the deep science, or do they want just to know that there is an answer? You can't you can't broad stroke it. There are those that really need. 
like I'll give you a perfect example. There's a young man that sent me a video, I guess about 10 years ago, and he had done his first presentation, and uh, maybe eight years ago, don't hold me to the dates, but it was, a, it was a while ago. And he sent me his presentation, and it was rough. And he said, I'd really like you to give me honest feedback on it. And I was like, this is rough, right? <laughs> knowledgeable, very knowledgeable. But the presentation side of things was just like rough. It was dry. I mean, yeah. boom, I was gone. And so I contacted him. I said, you know, do you really want me to be straight with you? Yeah. I said, well, from my perspective, here it is. Wonderful information, right? But that's only going to reach like 1% to 3%. You got another 97 98% out there that's going to be like, man, I got to, why do I even care about this thing? So how do you take this wonderful information that you've got and do it in a format that's going to hook somebody to know that they even need to care about this stuff? And that was my input to him, and I gave him some ideas, yada, yada, yada. Just about six, eight months ago, I was out, and uh, this young man was leading one of the groups that we were on. Mm -hmm. And I got in his group. Kid rocked it. Amazing. And he's now at a, a secular school in Colorado studying geology, uh, going for his PhD in ge geology at a secular school. So a guy like that, you got to give him you got to give him the meat, right? right. Yeah. Now, when I'm in the camps, which we do a lot of, those guys don't even know. So you got to introduce them. You got to have a way to even introduce them to concepts and and answers. But then you want to. To me, I want to lead them to the point that they want to go deeper. Right. That's my goal in life. Is like, let me give you this here, but now know that there's another place that you can keep digging because I want you to go dig even further than me. And so I think you need both. You're going to have youth that need both of those, and you start down here, hopefully, to lead that one. Put a little pebble in their shoe so they can't forget it. Right yeah. there it is, brother. Yeah. Pebble in the shoe because one of these days they're going to deal with it. Yeah. Wow. So, Carl, tell us about your ministry when it comes to that Volkswagen bus that I've seen so much about. <laughs> yes. 68-ish. It was yeah. built in Brazil, so it's got parts from a few years on it. <laughs> um, and what we do is we take it out uh, to camps. If I'm speaking at a camp or one of the other speakers is at a camp, uh, we'll take it to uh, car shows. Oh, Put it at a car show. Yeah. Bus shows. Yeah, it's Bus awesome, shows. man. Because yeah. we open up the back, it swings up, got a wooden table that we pull out, and and people come up, and we're playing the debunked videos in the back nice. of there. So people are like, so what is this? Let me tell you. <laughs> Getting conversations. And so uh, we do that. We do it with street ministry when we're you know downtown doing man-on-the-street interviews because, mm -hmm. again, it draws a crowd. I'll tell you the story. First time we pulled it out, right? Brand spanking new. First time pulled it out is in Florida. I pull it out of this, it's a, like a little strip mall thing, pull it out, and the main road's out here, and there's like little roads in the back, right? And so we pull it out, we park here, and there's a road that tees into the one that we're on, mm -hmm. and it's a souped-up hot rod that comes down there, just happens, right? He turns, I'm just pulling the, the door down to the thing that we just pulled out of, he stops the car, backs up, rolls the window down, pot smoke rolling out the <laughs> windows, right? Perfect. He, he looks at this thing and says, that's bleeping awesome, what is it? <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. I got the some answers for you. Yeah. <laughs> Preach the gospel to the guy. It's yes. like it is a conversation starter with a generation and a people group that really need to know there's another way. So yeah. we use it just to get out and engage com people in conversations. It's great. It's, it's weird. It catches the eye, right? Yeah. Everybody the older, like my age and down, uh, up, <laughs> up, <laughs> up. Um, 
they all have a hippie van story because right. it's the old hippie van. They all have, oh, my uncle, you know, we did this. And you're like, oh, I remember I that. that. I didn't. Yeah. You do not want to ride these things anymore, man. You got to go Fred Flintstone to go uphill. They yeah. have no guts, right? Yeah. But, but everybody has like this fond feeling about them for, for whatever reason. So we use it as a hook. That's great. That's great. That is awesome. Okay, so how can the apologetics ministries, we'll say ICR, Reasons for Hope, how can we support the church? Absolutely. Well, um, the church needs equipping. Pastors, by and large, don't have the ability, the training to teach a generation in the apologetics field. So ICR absolutely has that. We try to come alongside and offer that as well. Uh, so I think what we can offer to them is the fact that your kids are under attack. This is reality, all right? Uh, 50 to 88% of the kids raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. And we're not losing them. We never had them. If we're, if we're dead straight honest, we never had them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're walking away from something that they don't really know about. So what we can do is we can come in and we can help build up your children's biblical foundation to the point that they can walk out into a culture that comes after them as, why would a loving God allow death and suffering? What about carbon dating? What about continental drift? What about light from the furthest star? What about aliens? What about UFOs? All those things that the world throws at them. And then they can truly become a light in the darkness. Right now, if you don't train them, people tell me, I'm sending my children out here to be missionaries. You're not sending your children out in this culture to be a missionary without training them. You're sending them out as lambs to the slaughter, and we're losing 50 to 88% of them. So I think that the training and the equipping, your discovery center, what a wonderful place. We need youth groups coming through here that are being trained in this stuff. And then I would really highly encourage like having some one-on-one -on -one time because the exhibits are great, the videos are great, but you need that if you're like me. Mm -hmm. I got to have that, how do I take it apart, put it back together with somebody, and me asking you that question, but how does this piece fit here, yeah. you know? And so finding those type opportunities, I would highly encourage churches to bring groups here to go through and then find that time where you can get uh, Dr. Frank to come in, Dr. Tim, whoever, man, to come in and just spend this time. Let's flesh this piece out. I really want you to grasp this one and spend that time because that's not being done, not being done in the church at large. Sounds like you're describing the process of making disciples. Yes. Yeah. Quite yeah. frankly, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. Well, Carl, I really like the title of your ministry, you know, Reasons for Hope mm -hmm. and all. And I think about just getting right down to the basics where you are training uh, the next generation. Uh, it's really an issue of in the beginning God versus in the beginning nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, does, do both uh, worldviews take faith? And the answer is yes. But then I add, when I speak to the audience, ours is more reasonable faith. Absolutely. And it's more reasonable to, uh, to appeal to someone who has always been there in the beginning versus uh, evolutionists uh, tr telling us that in the beginning was nothing, it exploded, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. And so ours is a more reasonable faith. And we don't make an apology that we our position is one of faith. Yeah. The author of Hebrews says, for without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's right. You know, I, use, I actually do a talk on... Uh, Something from nothing, debunked, right? <laughs> and uh, so Lawrence Krauss and Richard Dawkins. By the way, this is one of the things that I find to be very effective younger generation. Let's take their resources and work through it. I, I, it's not cherry picking. I'm not taking a quote and a quote. We play like the first five minutes of the their, their presentation that they did where they're selling a book, a universe from nothing, why there's something rather than nothing. But we break it down because you got to hold up. Sounds really good. Let's break this down. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And But then what I do is, all right, 
when you, you get to the stage that they're going to sell you the book, A Universe from Nothing, where's the evidence to support that something came from nothing? And then you bring in the secular guys, and they're like, well, if you're asking for evidence, there's really no evidence that you can get something from nothing. Well, if you don't have any evidence, then that means that's your opinion. So you have your opinion. I got my opinion. So we're not really arguing about science here. We're arguing about opinions, which is impacted by worldview. Right. And by the way, biblical faith, yes, we have biblical faith, but biblical faith is something, God has done this, he's done this, he's done this. We've seen these things happen. What I see in the world is consistent with that. He says he's going to do this. Because I can trust this, I can now trust this. Whereas with this nothing turning into something, that is blind faith because there's nothing in observational science that will support any of that. And so to me, I just want to point that out and make an informed decision. If you're going to walk away, know what you're walking away from, know what you're walking to. Mm -hmm. Out of y'all's experience, how do you handle criticisms or how do you ha handle objections? I throw, I throw things at people. So. <laughs> <laughs> the bus. It's hard, man. Yeah, I throw the bus at It is hard because uh, we're, we're actually going through things like on our app. We have, um, it's right now, it's six responses to a guy who's got 15 million followers on TikTok. And he, he did a hatchet job on one of our debunked videos on the fossils. And because of that, we're now being shadow banned because out, out of his 15 million followers, every time we post a video, we used to get anywhere from 10 to 60,000 views. Mm -hmm. uh, the highest one is 390,000 views on TikTok, which was like, yeah. people were blown out of the water and they were positive responses that we were getting. Once he did his hatchet job, now we put a video up there. If we get a, if we get a thousand, that's a good number because 100 to 200 of his people complained to TikTok that we're putting out false information and that shuts you down. And that's, that's how people deal with dissension in our culture today is to ban you and not even let you have a platform. That mob mentality. It is a mob mentality, but you know what? I'm not walking away. So I think that what we do is we just continue. We give the answer. And if it's only 100 people that watch the video, 100 people watch the video. And I, I learned very early in ministry that it's not the numbers that I judge my success on. I judge my success based on the obedience. And if I was obedient and I never see a person respond, I was successful regardless because God calls us to be obedient. So I just preach to people, be obedient. You know, yes, it's nice to hear the nice things, but you're going to look, God, they didn't like Jesus very much. They're going to hate and us. So too. if you're going to go out and speak truth, you might as well be prepared to take some shots, understanding that this individual over there, if, they, if they're calling you this name, they're saying that you're doing this, and I'm getting it all right now, I know my true motives. I can look the Lord, no, I don't want to look him in the eye. I was like, Lord, <laughs> I'm humbly going to come yes, to you and say, you know my heart, you know why I'm doing this, and it was not for any of this stuff that I'm hearing here. When you have peace in who you know who, who you are before him, I think it gives you comfort to deal with these things. Right, and he's going to reach the hearts and minds of the people he wants to reach too through that. No. And the enemy is active. Very. <laughs> It is our job to share, not 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 to convert, not to change hearts. Yep. Right. I always say that our, you know, evangelism is a conversation, not a presentation. We converse. We don't do the convicting, converting. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. We do the conversing. We've been given the privilege of giving that answer. Why we believe what we say, we believe to watch what He's going to do, because ultimately He's the one that does it. It's awesome. Question. Yeah. Do you have a new book out? We do. Um, when I go out and do camps, all of our speakers, we've got four speakers that are regular now. Our approach is day one, we hand out index cards to the campers and say, write down the questions that are keeping you from really trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn them in, and we will deal with those questions throughout the rest of the week. 
Well, last year in Hemet, California, I'm 20 minutes into a uh, Q&A, and I pull the question, and I don't go through and pre-screen them, just pull them and go. Um, you're brave. <laughs> yeah, that is brave. Well, when you're so smart, like me, you know, I, I know how to say I don't know in three languages. So it's like, I don't know, that's a good one. I'll get back at you, right? Um, but it says, if suicide is a sin, didn't Jesus commit sin because he committed a suicide? Wow. He committed suicide. And I was like, I've never had that one asked me before, right? So I approach it from, there's a difference between suicide and sacrifice. And Jesus didn't take his own life. He laid his life down for, you know. So that was my approach. But I said, you know, I, I don't know that that was as comprehensive as I would have liked. So I went back and I went to our people and Dr. Juan Valdez, who, who's with me, a PhD in apologetics and theology. And I said, Juan, flesh this one out for me. And then I started thinking, my goodness, I got a stack of cars like this with questions in there. So... We took 28 and uh, divvied them up among friends of the ministry as well as our ministry, and we, we put them all into a book. And we're working on volume two now, and I'm very privileged to say that ICR, you guys have taken up three of the questions wow. in the next book, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But to me, the Q&A books are very important because this is where people are, yeah. and we have to recognize that the questions have changed. And so, yeah, we do We do have that, uh, did Jesus commit suicide and 27 other questions that teens ask that adults need to have answers to. Great title. Yeah, it's that true. Is a, yeah, that is true. a good title. You said that the questions have changed. Yeah. What, what did, did you mean by that? that? Well, just think of that. Did Jesus commit suicide? I've never heard that. Never, never heard, heard of that yeah. one, right? I mean, so uh, like uh, when, I, when I got on radio, say, 10, 15 years ago, I could tell you that within three questions, I would have been asked where did King get his wife. That was just like... That's where it was. Younger generation doesn't ask that because they don't think that because they're biblically illiterate. They don't know who Cain is, so Cain's wife. Now, they do ask it in another way. Well, if we all go back to one man and one woman, wouldn't we be a bunch of idiots by now because of all the inbreeding? Right. So, same answer, you know, essentially, that, that you get back to. Um, so, yeah, I would say that the gender issues, the homosexuality, the marriage issues, those are, those are just... Number one with a bullet, unfortunately. A lot of confusion on who we are before God. Now, the, the standards would be, of course, biblical authority. How can we trust the Bible when their book is just as good as our book? And those, those have been around forever. And the death and suffering issue, why would God allow that? So, so those are pretty standard, but the way they're worded will be different. The illustrations that are used are different because now we see the Black Lives Matters and the George Floyd and and all those types of issues being brought in. And so... And critical race theory. Critical race theory. All of that, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's, race is still a big issue, but now it's much more explosive than when we were dealing with it 10, yeah. 15 years ago. It was an issue, but now it's even more of an issue. And boy, now it's like... Volatile. Yeah, you're, you're just in trouble yeah. if you even try to address it. So... But we have to address it because the only answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's one race, the human race. Yeah. I'm critical of race theory, period, because there's there only one go. race. And if we, if, if Christians would get that in their mind, we wouldn't have that other issue. So uh, I just think we have to be straight in the way that we approach these things. Question off of that then for both of you, um, when, you when you're out speaking, uh, writing, researching, um, with all these other important issues, is there still a place for creation science, creation apologetics? Oh, yeah, you bet. Uh, that's what got me through graduate school, for example, in Colorado, is the fact that 
I found myself in graduate school and I just wanted to be very quiet and because the Lord got me into graduate school to get my advanced degree. And my major professor, who was an avowed atheist, and he had kept a New Testament in his office, and he would ask me these little dagger probing questions like, uh, you know, Jesus uh, driving the demons into the pigs, you know, and then they made the swine dive into the water and all that, and, and uh, you know, Jews don't eat pork, and, you know, and I'm going, well, not everybody in that area was a Jew, you know, and so he would ask me questions like that, but he said, before I accept you into graduate school, uh, you have to understand I require you to take a graduate course in evolution. And I said, that's fine, because by that time I'd been studying ICR literature, creation science and all, and I was pretty confident I wasn't going to hear anything that would be overwhelmingly in support of my coming from a fish. So I, I said, that's fine. And Challenge so I, accepted. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the class I took uh, was entitled Evolution, and uh, it turned out to be an advanced genetics course. Well, I love genetics, you know, and, and has nothing to do with the origin of the species. And so it was going through graduate school with that foundation that I had in, in creation science and being on the ICR mailing list and, and reading. And, uh, and when I took notes in graduate school, I'd always take notes just on one page. When I turned the page, I'd write questions, relevant questions on the blank page. And then I would have all those questions, and then I'd work on them uh, uh, at the end of the semester, and it worked out really well. Yeah. And it's the same today. Kids are still being confronted today. I spoke at uh, Calvary Chapel in Boca Raton, Florida, and a young man came up, and after the event, boom, here's the questions. And it, creation evolution is still a vitally important issue. And by the way, all those other issues that we rattled off before, if you, go, if you take it back to its core, to its foundation, that is the issue. These are the issue because we have this part down here wrong. If you, if you mess up the creation part, you're never going to get the, the John part. You know, John 3.16, right. come on. John 3.16 doesn't make any sense unless that Genesis 1 through 11 history is absolutely correct because all that wonderful theology here comes from here. Yes. And that's why there's so much confusion here is because they've lost this down here. They've lost that, that rock-solid foundation. The Bible's been turned into... Just this, uh, you know, opinion type thing. I use an illustration where I'll ask the kids, "How tall am I?" And they're all oh, six foot, six foot three. And I'm like, "What's wrong?" Oh, Christians, <laughs> the Christian kids. That's why they're so messed up. <laughs> I'm actually twelve foot tall. I'm like, "What?" And then I pull out my ruler, and my ruler's this big. All twelve inches are on there, and there's a seal of approval, complete with a seal stamped on it. Right? They're like, see, there you go. And they're like, "No, your ruler's no good." Who do you think you are? You close-minded, intolerant, bigoted, opinionated hick. You're trying to jam your ruler down my throat. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, we're supposed to do that to you. You know, they they want to do that to us, and I like do it to them first, and then I'll pull out the other ruler. What makes this ruler right? Because you think so. You were taught it. You were trained it. No, you need a definition for truth, and truth is that which has fidelity to an original. So if you want to know which ruler is right, you have to have a standard referent by which to judge those two. Is there such a thing? Yes, there is. When you go and you judge those two rulers by the standard referent, guess what? We know which ruler is correct. It's not by voting, because I could go to the carpenters' union. They would vote for my ruler. <laughs> they get paid by the foot, bro. I'm in, right? <laughs> it's not about that. It's about when compared to the original. Well, as a Christian, what's our original? And the minute we lose that original, then it's going to become a free-for-all, and everybody's got rulers that they're all hanging out, and that's where we are today. That's... That's just a fantastic mental image right there. Just like 
just using something that's so common and every day, and, and we trust it to be true every day. If you pull out a ruler, you know exactly what it is. You want to know a crazy part of that story? I write to the facility in uh, Maryland that has the official, you know, ruler. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I say, they got the golden ruler, right? So I write to them and say, how can I tell that the ruler that I bought at the store, how can I tell that it's absolutely accurate? Dude was so fired up that somebody cared. He wrote me a three-page paper. I got a three-page thing back explaining exactly how they know <laughs> the rules. That's awesome. It was awesome. It was like, somebody cares, yes. He's got a PhD in rulers. <laughs> yes. It was awesome. And it's really simple. It's light. Yeah. It's no longer, they no longer have a physical ruler. Yeah. It's now the distance, how far light will travel in an amount of time. That's how you tell a, a foot now. Wow. wow. Pretty crazy. That's yeah. I new. Yeah, really, science is the search for truth. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's so satisfying in creation science because Jesus said in John 14, 6, that he is the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's satisfying to think God's thoughts after him, understanding that he is the creator and that He all things are judged by him. And so when we do science, we are thinking God's thoughts after him. We are arriving at real truth. But how counterproductive for the, uh, the atheist, the evolutionist, who says that truth is subjective, yeah. truth, hey, What's true for you may not be true for me. Or some of the more cynical ones say the truth doesn't exist. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, what are they doing in science where science really is a search for truth, what yeah. we really know to be true? And so that turns out to be, uh, as Dr. Galusa says, a form of worship. As yes. we uh, think God's thoughts after him, we do the science. It's, it's a, a type of, of worship, and it's very eminently satisfying. Yeah. I love what I saw here today, too, because I, I had the privilege of going through and seeing your new exhibit that's going to be going in the Discovery Center with the fish, and ex I remember reading exactly about how you get a blind cave fish. They bumped their eyes, got an infection, and then over time, they lost their eyes. And now here you guys are doing a, a research showing that, nah, yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, see, that's real. Mm -hmm. That's right. observational science. That's, that's using our five senses in the present, empirical science, using our five senses in the present to, to make an observation, come up with a hypothesis, and test it. That's biblical. That's scientific method from a creationist, right? So I'm excited to see what you guys are doing. Yeah. Instead of, you know, just making up a story of yeah. how we all got here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got nothing to show it, but this is the way that it happened. And I'm like, you know, you're free to believe that. But don't expect me to give up on the Lord Jesus Christ because you got nothing that exploded to become something, to become everything. It, that makes no sense at all. I would like to ask for maybe some of our viewers and listeners, uh, how does one support ICR or Reasons for Hope? How does one support them? Other than, of course, you know, financial giving. Well, like, sure. how, how else can they support your ministry? Well, I would say to support you guys, you guys can know better than, than I do, but I, I would say right now, number one, get your kids here to the Discovery Center. Get your youth groups to the Discovery Center. Yes, that'll help financially because people are gonna buy a ticket to go through there, but I think what you're doing is is preparing them to be able to deal with tough issues in the future, which is, which is to me, more important than a nickel. Yeah. Uh, with us, we have no marketing. We're a small group. We go wherever we're invited. So I would say if what we're doing looks like it would help with your, your church, your youth group, to invite us to come out and speak, uh, use our app. Our app is, I'm telling you, it's the best tool that I've got right now. I tell everybody, it's all everything on there is free. I don't even, I don't sell DVDs anymore. Every DVD that we've ever produced is in the process of being up there, put up there free of charge. Because I said, you know what? It's not about the nickel, man. And if I can get somebody to watch this stuff, um, 
do it. And if, if, if 99 cents is keeping them from watching it, forget about it. I don't need it that bad. Right. So if they go to the app store and look for R, F-O-R-H, and download, look for the blue asterisk on a black background, hours of content up on there free. Share the information. I tell everybody it's free, but it's not free. Here's your cost. Yeah. Pray for us that we can keep making good content to put up on there. And number two, share it. I mean, if you watch one of those videos, it has a tab right down there. Share. Boom, you hit it. You can send it to whoever you want. That's what it's going to take is that the body of Christ is getting more active. And I, and that's bringing people here. It's coming to the events that we do, uh, hosting a speaker like Dr. Frank, myself. Um, but most importantly, it's praying. I mean, quite frankly, that we, we need that in this culture right now with the craziness that's going on. We need the prayers of God's people because it is getting increasingly difficult to to communicate to a culture that is increasingly nasty. They shadow ban you. When oh, you yeah, 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 absolutely. It seems like, unintentionally, but it seems like prayer is often forgotten about. Oh, know? yeah. And, and sometimes it can be trite, too, you know? Right. It can be like, oh, pray for us. Yeah. No, I mean legit prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're doing stuff now that I, I know is because people have prayed for us, and we can't take that as a... Well, the, le- the least thing you can do is pray for us. No, that's the best thing you can do for us, yes. quite frankly, is yes. genuine, honest prayer. Yes. But, you know, there's other ways as well. Maybe some folks aren't called to be prayer warriors. Well, then get engaged, go, come over here, work as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. I saw y'all have docents over there. I would yeah. think that there's going to be a place for some folks mm-hmm. that have a passion and an interest in people and in this topic. Here's a place that you can come plug in as well. And we do need volunteers, so thank you for that plug. <laughs> that <was> yeah. Nice <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One prayer request for for y'all, your ministry. Can people find that on your website through an email yeah. newsletter? Yeah, if they go to r f o r h dot com, that's our website. Uh, again, the app r f o r h. Just look for that, and there's uh, our events are up on there. They're on our website as well. But again, that app is just so easy to use. All of our events are up there, and that's man. We have a prayer page as well, a Facebook prayer page, if nice. we can pray for folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, R-F-O-R-H, prayer. If they look up, that up on Facebook, put their prayer requests up there. we wow. got people to come there and just pray for the requests that come up there. Um, yeah, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Using social media for good. Yes. <laughs> we have to. Yeah. We have to. It's where you're going to find a lot of folks. Yeah. That is the platform, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I was going to, just like a final question, if anyone is interested in maybe pursuing apologetics will say like as a career or as like a maybe a main vocation do you have any advice maybe for them or encouragement yeah i would encourage them to get the best education as possible i i I think uh we need christians who are solid in their faith that have also understand what the world is teaching because we don't want to take and make straw men we don't want to take uh the evolutionary position and Oh, how stupid is this? And then we're totally wrong on what we're talking about, how stupid it is. And it happens. It happens all the time. So I think we need to know the world's position better than they do. Get in and study it. Go get a a good, solid degree if that's what you're called to do. Uh, Find somebody that's doing what you want to do, and they're doing it well, and then learn from them. I mean, learn from them. What I see you guys doing, that's what I did. I, I found... Don Chittick, if you watch my talks, you'll see Don Chittick in there, which these names mean nothing to you guys. But Don Chittick had a big impact on me. He's the first guy that came up with, uh, you know, same evidence, A, B, looking at the same evidence, different conclusions. He's the guy that had that drawing in his book way back when. Uh, Dwayne Gish, The Fossils, that was one of the first places that I started digging. So I found these guys who were doing this and doing it well, 
And I was like, I want to learn from them. So I gleaned from them. You hear me talk, you're going to see Dr. Gish in there. You're going to see Dr. Chittick. You're going to see Dr. Morris. You're going to see Dr. Whitcomb. You're going to see all these guys that were that I'm walking on their shoulders for the work that they did. And so I think that's what you do is you find somebody that's doing it, doing it well, and learn from them and, and make sure you got a good body around you, man, that's holding you accountable because it's it's a crazy world. And you can get out and get stupid easy. You need that, you need that. You need that body of Christ around you that's surrounding you in prayer and also holding you accountable because yeah. none of us are an island. <laughs> Frank, you have any, any thoughts along that, those lines? No, I, I would have to you know, parrot what you said. That's, that's certainly true. And, and um, I learned early on when I was in the Navy that I had an interest in uh, science in general, biology. But then when I read that tract, I had an interest, insane interest, in creation science. And so I, I went to college uh, to get my undergraduate degree in biology, but I stayed focused. I was uh, very active with the campus uh, Christian group at the time. Uh, and then after a five-year hiatus, uh, went back uh, to graduate school, and you heard about that. But getting that foundation, both, of course, academically, but also biblically as well. Biblically, as I stay tuned with ICR. And just before uh, graduating from uh, graduate school, I went on my first Grand Canyon tour with ICR. That's where I first met John Morris and uh, one other creation geologist. And that was a wonderful, eye-opening experience. And that's when I really realized that, that God was uh, guiding and directing me in this field of creation science. Mm -hmm. A follow-up on that. I'm sorry, we're trying to wrap. Oh, but no, in terms of colleges, because we get this question a lot on social media, some people writing in as well, should students pursue a Christian university, Christian college that has a, a creationist leaning? Should they go to a secular university? Is there a priority? And if they go to a secular university, how should they be a student as a Christian? I don't think there's a cookie-cutter answer to that because uh, even the Christian colleges are going to be whacked in some areas. So you got to be solid in your own faith so that when you go in there, this Bible department could be totally off course while the science department is totally on. We see that quite a, quite a bit, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Mm -hmm. So whatever college you go to, even if it's a Christian college, make sure that you've got that, uh, again, that, that body around you that's supporting you and helping you. Um, I would say that some, I think some young folks are called to go into the secular university and be a light, but they have been trained before they go into that. They're not just going in with, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go off here. And that's where we're losing this generation because they've not been specifically trained. These professors know how to destroy faith. I'm telling you, I've got story after story after story. Yeah. They know exactly how to destroy it. And so uh, you better prepare them to go into it. Me, I told my children, both my children went to a Christian college, but my daughter then had to go get her master's degree. And she was in a, a, in a class for her master's degree that she called me after day one, English class. And she said, Dad, if this teacher knew that you were my father, she would fail me. Because all she did was spend the last hour and a half of the class railing on creationist. It's an English, English. class. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And railed on it. So I taught my daughter, you've got to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You can go in there and you can answer the questions that they ask when it comes to evolution, according to the theory of evolution, blah, 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 blah. Did that say that you agree with it? No. But it's showing the teacher that you understand it. Now, if you have the opportunity to say, but I don't agree with it because blah, 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 or I ask questions, then you go with that. But I think we have to be very, very wise in this culture. I'm not an undercover Christian by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove and know how to answer questions in a way that uh, 
you're not necessarily going to get kicked out of the program just right. because I give them an excuse. One real quick story, I don't know if we have time, but when I was in graduate school, we had our own graduate uh, department uh, classroom, and it was raining, the window was open by my desk, I was not in that room at the time. They started pulling my books away, you know, from the open window, because the rain was coming in. There was a Ryrie study Bible just on the Psalms and Proverbs, so it was a thin one, not a big family Bible. And uh, so they pulled away, and they saw that, and they kind of stood back, you know, like it was kryptonite. <laughs> and I only found that out from a friend of mine who was also in graduate school. And, and uh, so when I came back that afternoon, they were all kind of looking at me. Yeah, well, <laughs> You're one of them. <laughs> they, they found you out. They found yeah. me out. Wow. Well, any closing thoughts for our listeners and viewers at all? Any, any last words of wisdom you all would like to share? Well, I tell you that I think the greatest wisdom I can give anybody is Get into God's Word, study it, and 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 challenge. Take take the challenge, you know. Taste and see if it's good. Because I can tell you from my experience, every time somebody's asked me something that I haven't known or something's happened that I haven't gotten a hold of, I don't get it. Be patient. Give it time. Get in and dig. It's amazing what God does through the simple, humble person that's just like, Lord, here my send me. I don't understand this. He he takes and 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 delivers what we need when we need it. So. Try it. If you don't believe them, get in and try it. Take a look. Study. Come look at these things. Use the ICR's website. Check out the technical journal. You know, uh, great articles in there. Action you can facts. understand that. <laughs> Action facts, man. Action facts is probably yeah. the best uh, monthly, free monthly yes. newsletter going. It's not just me trying to sell you a book every time, right? There's a bunch of good content in there. Dig. Find out for yourself. Don't trust me. Don't trust anybody. Dig for yourself. Because I think at the end of the day, when you've dug for yourself, and you know why you believe what you say you believe, then you can speak with authority, because I'm not parroting what I heard somebody else say. Absolutely. It's not just a talking point. Yeah. And I have to agree with that, because when I the Lord led me to go to graduate school, I had that foundation. And I understood by that time that the real theory of evolution, that is macroevolution, fish to philosopher, particles to people, simply does not have the evidence. It has the, uh, there's variation within kind, which we understand. But to extrapolate from that, they just don't have it. And so when I went to graduate school in particular, I, I had that as an understanding. And so uh, I learned to assimilate the information, whereas I didn't assimilate the philosophy behind right, it. Right, right, right. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for being here. It's been a pleasure uh, to just have you all on the show. And to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you so much for being here uh, with us for Creation.Live. If you found this helpful, make sure to like, subscribe for future episodes, and we'll see you next time on Creation.Live.